The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring, Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. All right, thank you so much, Doug Donats. It is great to be back here with you all in the SNL Hall of Fame podcast studios deep within the SNL Hall of Fame. It's JD here, and I hope you're doing well. We are doing great here in the hall, but we would be remiss to remind you to please wipe those feet before coming inside. Especially with the snowy weather now, it just makes things messy. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity inside the SNL Hall of Fame. That's how we play the game. It's really quite simple. It's all about you. You get to listen, you get to vote, and you get to brag about the fact that you inducted the Hall of Famers. So there's that. I'm going to tell you that I'm excited about this week's episode, but I always tell you that, so it's a, a little redundant, I suppose. But I am excited. We are welcoming back our friend Bill Kenny, and he will be in conversation with Thomas about our first host of the season, Martin Short. Martin Short, of course, uh, a legend in showbiz, and quite the character in the SNL world the SNL cinematic universe, uh, the butt of many jokes in terms of the Five Timers Club, and he seems to relish it. He, he, he plays that role so well. But I don't want to get into too much minutia because I like to leave that for my friend Matt in his corner, Matt's Minutia Minute corner. So let's walk down to that intersection of walls uh, where he is most likely loitering and uh, get to the bottom of this. Hey, Matt, how's it going, my friend? Hey, JD, I am awesome. I am awesome. I am looking forward to talking about today's potential inductee. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say he'll be an inductee, but uh, yeah. you never know. This place is weird. You never know. You never know. Like a lot of times you're thinking this person's going to make it right away, but you know, it might be like how he had to go to audition to Second City for like a dozen times before he got into the cast. Well, we're bearing the lead here, even though the title of the episode is named after this person. 
So you already know who it is, uh, but it is Martin Short that we're going to be talking about this yes. week on the program. Who yeah. is actually not that short. Oh. <laughs> he's five foot eight. I mean, he's not a tall guy, but he's kind of average. I think that's average height. Yeah. It's average height. I always thought he was shorter than that, but I'm maybe only very minorly taller than that. So we're about the same height. Are you plotting uh, all these? Are you plotting all these heights somewhere on a graph so that you I can... should? I should do like a, a, <laughs> a, a, a that will be my project be, be <laughs> over the summer. <laughs> Who's the tallest uh, uh, nominee? You know, yeah. Well, Will Ferrell probably. It's... Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but who comes next? Kind of thing. Or is there somebody taller? We never know. We'll we'll yeah, find out. Sure. Kevin, uh, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he hasn't so, been nominated well, he... yet. No, no. Well, no we'll we'll see. Well, I'll 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 do the I'll do the math. I'll do a, right. one of those comparison graphs. Okay. Um, but yeah, Martin was born March 26, 1950. He graduated from Westdale Secondary School in Hamilton and later attended McMaster University where he- Shout out to the hammer. Yeah. We have a kitty cat from, from Hamilton, Duncan. Hmm. He's toothless and weird and I uh, love him very much. Sounds very Hamiltonian to me. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. Um, now- um, Martin studied social work before changing, after leaving pre-med and then subsequently leaving sociology. So I, I, academia probably wasn't in his, in his future. He has 113 acting credits, 19 writing credits, 12 producer credits, 27 soundtrack credits, and one director credit including the latest Aquaman film, which means I am going to have to watch that horrible movie now. Oh, no. Oh, I geez. What I do for the love of Martin Short. Right. Now, his very first role was actually as a giant in a Visa commercial back in the 70s. So, which is, yeah, it's like interesting casting. Um, He's a class freaking act uh, by literally all accounts. Um, you know, you can see how he rolled with the Today Show um, interview where Kathy Lee Gifford was asking about him about his wife two years after she had passed. Um, the man is a saint. He just, you know, corrected her during the commercial break, but was just very gracious about it. And you can tell that, that he's this is a real genuine niceness because he's remained friends with all of his co-workers, uh, David Letterman, Conan O'Brien, Tom Hanks, Eugene Levy, Robin Williams, Chevy Chase, William Shatner, Diane Keaton, and of course, his bestie, Steve Martin. Yeah. All of them love him. He uh, met the SCTV and Second City castmate Dave Thomas in college in 1970, where they began acting together, appearing in Macbeth, where they played Lennox and Banquo, respectively. This caused him to be a part of the infamous Godspell performance uh, in Toronto, yeah, where he uh, met the SCTV and SNL geniuses that really created those two shows, including Gilda Radner. Eugene Levy, Paul Schaefer, Andrea Martin, and his future wife, Nancy Dolman, whose brother married Andrea Martin, making SCTV a family affair. Hmm. Um, now, as an early member of a, a Second City in Toronto, where many of his Godspell friends were performing, uh, he actually took uh, about a dozen auditions to get into Second City, which means, you know, I don't feel so bad having 
being drummed out of my first con edition. <laughs> so I will get in one day. If if it takes Martin Short multiple passes, it'll take me multiple passes. <laughs> um, now, he left Second City and joined the cast of SCTV along with his fellow SCTV and SNL cast member, Robin Duke, in 1981. I have a friend whose parents actually just wandered in to the uh, old fire hall to watch a performance, and it was their farewell show. So oh, my God. They, yeah, I was like, what I would have done to have been at Robin and, and uh, Martin's farewell show. One of the few SNL members, uh, cast members, to make an appearance on Mad TV, his first romantic love was Gilda Radner. But, like, honestly, who didn't love Gilda? I mean, yes. Yeah, everybody loved Gilda. He is a member of the Order of Canada, has a Tony for Little Me, an Emmy for SCTV's Network 90. Uh, that's the NBC version of SCTV. Two Outer Critic Awards for Outstanding Performance, a Primetime Emmy Lifetime Achievement Award. The Independent Spirit Robert Altman Award, the Earl Grey Award, Lifetime Achievement Award for the Canadian Screen Awards, and three Canadian Screen Awards for Best Performance. So he's pretty critically recognized for his talents as well. Yeah. He continues to tour, doing his two-man show with Steve Martin uh, to this day, where he is merciless. Uh, they they keep working together. They also have the the show that they co-star in, Only Murderers in the Building, which has won a People's Choice Award in 2021 and 2022, a Primetime Emmy in 2022, a Satellite Award, and an AFI TV Program of the Year hey. just tw this past year in 2023. So he's nominated for an Emmy for the an evening you will forget for the rest of your life with Steve Martin, but they lost to Mulaney. Which, let's be honest, I'm sure Mulaney was really embarrassed by that. Like, I, he is probably just heartbroken that he beat them because Mulaney right. is nothing if not self-effacing. And right. those are two people that I am sure he idolizes. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been a success on and off of Broadway, dancing, singing, and remaining a beloved figure to this day. He has a cottage in Muskoka. Uh, where he cottages with friends and his neighbors include Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, and Steven Spielberg and Kate Capshaw. Um, and he is my favorite amigo. So, yeah, that he is also has, he, he also has a hell of a, that was Martin Short. Or, no, that was Martin Short, sorry. <laughs> he also has a hell of a, a hell of an autobiography. Uh, he does, he does. And uh, he, I, he reads it and yeah. it's tremendous. I got the book from my wife and I listened to the audiobook on yeah. again on Audible. Not another plug for Audible, but it's on Audible. Hey, Audible, by the way, if you're looking uh to sponsor something, the SNL Hall of Fame has a wing that we could uh use your vast amounts of money on. So talk to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean we could probably do an entire series all about just SNL alumni right? biographies read yeah. on Audible by the, yeah. those cast members. Well, I think we should take it downstairs now. Bill Kenny's waiting. He's chomping at the bit, and uh, he's down there with Thomas. So, Thomas, take it away, buddy. All 
right, JD, Matt, thank you so much for that introduction, and welcome to another edition, another episode of the SNL Hall of Fame. Today, we are bringing you comedy royalty, and I'm talking about Bill Kenny, my guest, of course. Of course. <laughs> Hi, Bill. Welcome to <laughs> hey, the SNL Thomas. Hall of Fame. Welcome back. <laughs> thank you for having me back. Yeah, really sure. Thing. Of course, we're talking about Marty Short, comedy yes. royalty. He's a little bit higher than I am, but yeah. On the packing order, you're just below Marty. <laughs> so, no, we love having you, Bill. Thank you so much. You were a guest for Jason Sudeikis last season, and I like to think, Bill, that your natural charisma is what put Jason Sudeikis in the SNL Hall of Fame. Like, what say you? I mean, listen, I, I'm trying to be humble here, but all of the people I've come on this here podcast and promoted are now in the SNL Hall of Fame, including my dear... Jan Hooks. Jan so, Hooks. Yeah, uh, very excited when I heard you guys announce that. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's such a great, great thing to see these people recognized for their great work. Jason probably got on for Ted Lasso and me, but yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll give me credit too. Jason, call me. Yes, yes. But Jan, Jan, though, like I was super excited when we got the results, and Jan Hooks was in like well deserved, overdue. Bill, I mean Jan Hooks. Now, now it's a now the the SNL Hall of Fame has maybe legitimacy in your eyes. I don't know. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I mean it's it's like that favorite player that gets in on the seventh or eighth ballot. I, mm -hmm. I know well, this was the third ballot, but uh, yeah, it, it was great to see. Uh, the only thing, people, please vote for these writers. Uh, that would be my only pitch besides Marty tonight. Of course, uh, need more of these writers in. Uh, if you've seen a, a season of SNL that you didn't enjoy, it's because they had bad writers, period, right. end of sentence, put these people in. They're well-deserving. Exactly. Yep. I think, in my opinion, Jack Handy might be the next one on the list, hopefully to get in. Jim Downey's in, so yep. so that was a that was little great. bit of a wrong that's been righted. Uh, yes. We're making progress here, the voters at the SNL Hall of Fame. Chipping away. That's all you can do. <laughs> Absolutely. So today's guest, I'm super excited to talk about Martin Short, Bill. So where did you first become acquainted with Marty? Because before SNL, he was already known within comedy circles. So where did you become acquainted with him? Probably right around the time that he was on SNL. Okay. Uh, that was my formative years. I wasn't watching the show at that point, but uh, you know, as similar with Billy Crystal, uh, I'd hear comedy clips on uh, Dr. Demento's show, which I, I don't know if you're familiar with, but it was mm -hmm. a, a Sunday night show that just did comedy clips. There'd be stand-up clips, there would be uh, clips from SNL, from SETV, and uh, you'd, you'd start to hear stuff like Ed Grimley on there. And I'd wonder where this was coming from, you know, as, as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old boy. And it all kind of came together when they, he came to host for the first time. It was kind of all of my worlds colliding. Uh, so, yeah, it, I didn't know a lot of him. A lot of his movies uh, weren't child-oriented at that sure. point. So uh, I hadn't seen him in the movies, but... That was probably where I, I got my start with with Marty. Okay, yeah. So of course Martin Short was a cast member on SNL. He was in the the Ringer season, as we Stein, like to call it, season ten. Steinbrenner season. Yes, yeah, the Steinbrenner season. Uh, Dick Ebersol's last uh, season as producer, he just went and brought in the he went big game hunting basically and brought in 
Marty, Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest. He brought Harry Shearer back. Uh, great season. So Marty on SNL, Bill, you and I, so there was a little discussion, <laughs> a big discussion. Marty's placement on the Saturday Night Network's cast member countdown. And you and I had a little bit of disagreement there. Marty was 42 on the uh, SNN fan list. And I think that was really high. I actually didn't have Marty ultimately in my top 50. But Bill, my stance has a lot to do with philosophy. Like, convince me, try to convince me otherwise. This is one of the few things that you and I have disagreed on. And this is one of the few things that my friend, our friend John Schneider and I have disagreed on. Uh, I don't, I understand where quantity counts for something. If you're on the show for 10 years and you've done very solid work, you're going to be higher than somebody who was on for one year. But bang for your buck, Marty on there for one season was phenomenal. Uh, Yes, Christopher Guest was a big deal as well. He didn't have that great of an SNL career. There's not a lot you can point to. His, His weekend update, SNL News, was not that great. Uh, he wrote some good stuff, but it was basically the Billy and Marty show. And mm-hmm. for better or worse, you know, a lot of good people didn't get a lot of airtime. Julie, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Mary Gross, uh, Jim Belushi. But for what was there, these two carried the show, made it relevant again. I think really for the first time since Eddie left full-time, uh, Eddie Murphy. So, uh, and he was highly quotable. He had these incredible characters that he had brought from SCTV, which is something you wouldn't see today. Uh, you probably know this. Uh, many of the fans probably know this. But SNL now owns the characters. Like, if, right. you, if you bring a character, this was around the 90s that they started this. Dana Carvey's talked about this on his podcast, where he brought the church lady, so he owns the church lady. Um, NBC SNL owns the characters now. So they wouldn't let somebody like Marty come in today and not give up these characters. But he came fully formed from his SCTV time with Ed Grimley, with uh, what else did he do? Irving Cohen, which was one of my favorites, the bouncy C uh, composer, Nathan Thurm, uh, Jackie Rogers Jr. He had brought all of those from his time as SCTV. And uh, it made SNL uh, big again. In yeah, he, he was very well equipped to do sketch comedy, to do the S to do SNL. He was so well equipped. I remember watching SCTV in reruns. Of course Mm -hmm. it, when it aired, I was, I was a small child. I wasn't watching SCTV, but I was lucky enough to catch up with it in reruns. And what a, what a group we haven't on this podcast. I mean, it makes sense, but we haven't really talked a lot about SCTV, but Rick Moranis, John Candy, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Bill. Like, did were you able to watch SCTV later? After I, I, I was too young as well, but uh, I can recall. I believe it was after uh, Late Night with Letterman and then Conan, where NBC started running rerunning those SCTVs, and that was kind of mind blowing. You know, this is pre YouTube, pre internet. So to see these things, all of these people had started to become big in their own ways. You know, Catherine O'Hara was big. Uh, obviously Marty and John Candy were doing their thing. Uh, so yeah, to go back and be able to watch their kind of their origin stories on a show that was similar to SNL, but not the same. And then obviously through the years, kind of seeing the, the fabric that's laid these people together. Uh, Marty's really the only one that carried over, uh, as a cast member, I believe, uh, Catherine O'Hara almost did. 
almost uh, <laughs> Michael O'Donoghue we can blame yes. I think for for her not being an actor. Yes, member. yes. She she walked out of the first meeting after he spray painted the wall and and we got Robin Duke instead which was fine. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so it, it was kind of I can't imagine being an adult at that time who was a hardcore comedy fan having watched SCTV and then seeing Marty come over and and kind of, you know, worlds colliding. So yeah. yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. And here at the SNL Hall of Fame, we love other sketch comedy shows, especially being like rooted. You know, Jamie Dew uh, is from Toronto. We So this SNL Hall of Fame is like rooted in Canada. Lorne Michaels uh, is, is a Canadian. So, you know, the, the ties there to SCTV uh, as far as cast member uh, cast members and comedic voice and everything uh, can't be denied. And Marty specifically as a cast member on SNL, I'll give him this. I mean, he... For his one season, you couldn't look away when he's on screen. And that's throughout his entire career. One of the things that sticks out to me is is, is you couldn't look away when Marty was on screen. Uh, specifically, Bill, the the first sketch or the first episode or one of the first sketches that we saw Marty in in that first episode, Synchronized Swimming. Oh. So I want to talk about that real quick. I know this happened when Marty was a cast member, but still, like an all-time classic sketch that Marty was in. Officially, it's got, you know, like zero acceptance. In it. I don't swim. So, I mean, no, of course not. Nobody is just going to walk up and hand us a gold medal, especially since men's synchro isn't even in the 88 Olympics yet. But that's okay, because we could use the time. Because I'm, I'm not that strong a swim. But, I mean, that just means that... When they would do, which I miss, when they would do these SNL best of sports, the, this was one of the weird ones that they kind of shoved in there. You know, they'd have the baseball and the football and all the things, that we, but they had to get synchronized swimming on all these best ofs because it was just so wacky. Them pointing at each other, I know you, I know you, and they were yeah. trying to get into the 1984 Olympics or 1988, 1988 Olympics because right. they had missed the cut for 1984. Uh, and they were trying to get this uh, ridiculous uh, swimming exercise into the Olympics. And Marty was just playing this very innocent, childish character with Christopher Guest. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it was so fantastic. Marty wasn't much of a swimmer in the sketch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I love that you had, you're right, it had the Christopher Guest mockumentary style, which is always welcome. It's, it's, amazing it was around the time that this is spinal tap was out and just uh what an amazing movie that was so uh so synchronized swimming for as for as much as i you know said about marty and it's just like i said a philosophical thing as far as where he stands as an snl cast member of all time but he was in an amazing sketch from that era and again you were right he brought over ed grimley jackie rogers jr so he did make his mark as a cast member on SNL. So there's no there's no denying that, Bill. Yeah, I I think if you could come on and do what Marty and Billy did, even if it's just for that one year, I think that counts. Uh are you going to put them ahead of people like Will Ferrell and Phil Hartman? No, obviously not. And they have the pedigree and they went on to do great things afterwards. So even though it's just this tiny part of their resume, I think Marty is is deserving to be considered in the top 50 of all-time cast, for sure. And I do respect that, and I do love Marty, so I'm really excited 
for this episode. And he's not eligible for the SNL Hall of Fame as a cast member, given SNL Hall of Fame rules. But we are talking about him today as a host, four-time host, Martin Short. So, Bill, his first hosting stint, season 12, episode 6. Only six episodes into that new golden age of SNL, December 6, 1986. This is a theme with Marty, hosting like a Christmassy episode Mm -hmm. here. Um, He's hosting with his uh, fellow amigos, Steve Martin and Chevy Chase, promoting Three Amigos. Before we get into the episode, please tell me, Three Amigos is one of my favorite comedies. How do you feel about Three Amigos? I love it. So underrated. Uh, It got lambasted at the time as not being that great. And I think it's one of those movies like Tommy Boy that gets crushed by critics, uh, you know, had high expectations because of the wattage of comedy people in this movie and has aged like a fine wine. I, I still like to go back and watch it every few years. And it's great. I mean, to see these three unbelievable comedic giants in one movie together uh, was fantastic. And it was equal amongst the three of them. I wouldn't say there was a star. They all three of them. That's what's amazing about that movie. The fact that it was, was hilarious, but all three of them stood out equally in my opinion. Yeah. And, and they're all kind of at the height of their power, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, Chevy has, has just done the vacation movies and, you know, Steve is Steve. He's he's been around for about ten or fifteen years on the stand-up circuit. He's starting to make really great movies like Roxanne and and things like that. And then Marty is doing his thing. So yeah, for these three, you know, leave your egos at the door. Let's all do this together and make a great movie. It, it was it was a, a great thing. And and only Lorne could pull three people yes. like that together and do that. Yes, absolutely. And this this uh, first episode was interesting. We don't often see three people hosting together. There's sometimes two. We see two. A famous Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger <laughs> hosting yes. duo uh, that we all remember. Um, but three is really quite the the juggling act. Like, How do you think they it's, did as far as juggling the three of them as hosts in this episode? It's a really interesting time capsule. It's one of the first things I wrote down when I went back and rewatched this episode. Um, you know, this is one of the things that he kind of carried over from the Ebersol era, Lauren did, to have these multi-hosts who, now these three made sense together. They were obviously promoting the movie that was coming out, but, you know, Lauren had just done Angelica Houston and Billy Martin the previous uh, May, like these weird pairings and and not having them all in the same sketches together. Uh, there's only a couple of instances where the three of them are on screen together other than the monologue and uh, the cold open. So uh, it's not something that we would see today. You know, when we saw, as we'll get to in a little bit, when Steve and Marty came back last year, uh, they, they were in most of the sketches together. I think there's only one sketch where they're not uh, paired up. So they're kind of working their own section of the of the street, uh, so to speak. Uh, so it's really kind of an interesting thing that I don't think we would see today. No, and they did that at least two a couple of other times, if if I recall correctly, that season. Joe Montana, Joe and Montana, Walter and Walter Payton, another famous one where they weren't in sketches together. Right, <laughs> like it's exactly. just so weird. Why yeah. have two hosts if they're not going to be working together? But. Yeah, it's very. But I'd be I'd be curious to see how the current uh, the current cast and show would handle two hosts now but there's a reason why they haven't really gone to that well much lately 
Yeah, I mean, the last couple of really famous ones would be Tina and Amy, and then obviously Marty and, and Steve, and a lot of, lot of pairing together. So, yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, so here, uh, start off, you know, cold open, the Gerald Ford Clinic. <laughs> Marty, Bill, does such a great pratfall out of the pratfalls that happen. Of course, Chevy's the master at this, but Marty shocked me with his commitment to this pratfall. Oh, he went all in. I uh, just went from the door to the American flag to the chair. Like Steve's was really low key. Obviously, Chevy comes in to finish it off as he always did. But yeah, you're right. The, Marty is the star of this cold open with his stumble bums anonymous. And yes. imagine being Kevin Nealon, who is the only featured player on the show this year, uh, being with these three icons. He's the only cast member in the cold open with them. So. Yeah, Pretty. be taking mental notes if if I'm exactly. on screen. Yeah, if I'm in a sketch with uh, Steve and Chevy and Marty, I'm taking mental notes of what right. they're doing and Pinching what's going myself. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So that so that was a fun cold open. The monologue they play on the dynamic, and we'll see this throughout Marty's history on the show. It's the dynamic that they've continued for years with Marty being less than <laughs> compared to the other two, especially Steve. He says his name and. And Steve and Chevy kind of point at themselves like, you already know who I am. So I thought that was a fun dynamic kind of right away. It it is fun. And it is strange that they continue to do that to this day where he is on equal plane with with somebody like Steve Martin. At this point, even though he was known, he probably is a ticker or two lower than their wattage. You know, I, I don't know that there's anything you would point to. You know, SCTV was kind of a deep cut, as we were talking about. Uh, There was the one season of SNL, but, you know, Steve and Chevy are bona fide comedic movie stars. Uh, So, yeah, it it is funny that they could. And then, of course, the the back pills jokes, which would never fly today. No. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. 1986, everyone. Oh, got to love it. Yes, I'd love it. And this was the monologue was actually more of a Steve Martin showcase. Which makes sense. He was the the um, probably well. He and Chevy, you're right. I think they were on equal playing field. But Steve uh, was given the uh, the showcase here with the monologue. But Marty does his Captain Hepburn impression to motivate Steve, which I love. Marty doing Captain Hepburn in oh. old Hollywood voices and stuff. That's that's right up my alley. You are being ridiculous. What what would Captain Hepburn say at a moment like this? Well, Can you imagine I, what she would say? Uh, no. She'd say, listen to me, mister. I'm telling you that you've done this a thousand times before, darling, and you'll do it again. Why do you have question it? So I want you to look fear in the eye and to say to hell with you. I think I'll survive. Thank you very much. You can do it, Steve. Love it. Love it. Yes. And and then, of course, they're sitting at the stage playing checkers while Steve does his thing. This was more of a Steve. I, I think people were more excited about Steve because he hadn't been on the show other than a cameo during the Ebersol era in, what, seven years, six years. Mm-hmm. So it had been a long time. He was right behind Buck Henry as far as appearances at that point. So to bring him back, uh, it was it was really kind of a big deal. That was probably, if you put yourself in a time machine, that would be the person that everybody was most excited about seeing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Fun monologue, even though Marty has just a little bit in it. Uh, it was a really fun monologue. Are there any 
sketches that you first want to talk about that really like stood out to you uh, during this episode? Well, Eggshell Family was fantastic. And this is one of the few times we do get a crossover with two of the hosts together interacting with each other as opposed to the British customs where they're just kind of, you know, doing the parade sketches that we're so used to now. But uh, yeah, this this was a sketch with uh, Steve and Kevin and Jan and getting to see them work with Kevin and Jan was, was fantastic. And uh, basically it's just about, they're so afraid to bring up the most innocuous thing. You know, the phone is ringing. Should, should I get the phone? I don't know. Oh, it's Bob. Bob. Bob is looking for dad. Should I, what should I tell him? What do I do? What do I do? Um, well, stall. Stall. Stall him. Okay. Hi, Ray. Uh, uh so? <laughs> he asked if this was a bad time. What, what, should, what should I tell him? That it was? Well, that it wasn't? And it just kind of escalates from there. And yeah, this is a great showcase for, for Marty and to see, again, to see him work with uh, these newer cast members who go on to be icons and, of course, Steve. Yeah, I like this one. Marty is so fun to watch on screen. It was so fun to see like their, their, their different variations and the different versions that each person in the sketch had as far as like their version of walking on eggshells. Right. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. And it was awesome to see Marty, you're right, like work with Jan Hooks, work with Kevin Nealon. And that's what I noticed throughout this episode and throughout a lot of these episodes is I'm seeing Marty on screen with like, holy crap. Yeah. Jan Hooks, Steve Martin. It's right there. And we'll, we might get to it, but like Eric Idol, like there's just all this comedy royalty that Marty is being able to play with in his hosting SNL uh, stints. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time that why do we want alumni to come back? You know, yes, seeing somebody like Kate McKinnon come back was was wonderful in December, but it's been recent. To see different eras of a show that's spanned now almost 50 years, uh, to see somebody who was on the show in 1984 come back, even in 1986, that was still because the show had changed so much in those couple of years, uh, to have them come back and interact with these newer cast members who eventually become your favorites too. So you get to see this playground. That that's what we look for. That's, you know, when when you're a super fan of SNL, that's what you want to see. Yeah, it's so rewarding. It reminds me of seeing like Phil Hartman and Will Ferrell in oh, a, in a sketch absolutely. together. Like how yes. amazing is yeah. that to see those two, right? Eddie Murphy coming back and be able to play with the current cats. Like that's what as SNL fans, those are the rewarding moments, Bill. That's all we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just give us just give us those those little rewarding moments and we'll st- we'll stick with you, Lauren. We're we're, exactly. we're still hooked. <laughs> the one of the the sketch that I highlighted really was The Devil and Ed Grimley. I I've talked to some people who are like kind of eh on Ed Grimley, but I personally love watching Marty do uh, do Ed Grimley. He, just Marty can do basically do anything on screen, it seems like, and I'm just like captivated, like what's he gonna do next? But this one in particular, again, Marty's playing with John Lovitz and one of John Lovitz's signature characters. I think there's a pretty cool premise and a funny payoff in this sketch. And I, I like the Ed Grimley uh, character because Marty sells it so hard and Martin his movements and his voice, Bill. Like where where do you stand on Ed Grimley and this sketch in particular? 
I've had an interesting road with Ed Grimley. Uh, you know, at, when you're younger, you appreciate this kind of physical humor. And then I kind of got tired of mm-hmm. seeing him come back time after time. And it's kind of a one-note sketch if you look at it too closely. But again, as you're saying, as I've gotten older, as as gone back and watched these things over and over again, yes, his physicality is amazing. Um Probably why he hasn't done it the last couple of times he's hosted, well, yeah. because he's jumping on everything, he's having things fall on him, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it is great, and it is great to see him with Lovitz, as you say. And so I'm going to make you this offer: a fifty-dollar gift certificate at the department store of your choice. In return, <laughs> yes, for a consideration very small, payable at a later date. Oh, what a fascinating proposition. Do you mind if I just ponder for one fleeting second? As you wish. Oh, give me a break. What to do? I've never had that kind of money, you know. And the idea of spending all that money in gifts is just the best. I could buy a new pencil case for Cousin Lamar, and possibly those sleeping blinders that Uncle Basil has been eyeing. Oh, it would just be the best. Oh, what am I talking about? You know, the payoff is that he wants to sell his soul for a $50 gift certificate because he can't buy Christmas presents. Yeah, to, to, to be able to see these two work together was fantastic. So. Yeah, and he ends up warding off the devil with a Pat Sajak photo, of course. He's a huge fan of Pat Sajak. Uh, Bill, some sketches some sketches have lean on writing and clever premises and, and clever dialogue. Some sketches lean on characters and performance. And to me, this is the latter. Absolutely. Which I don't mind, but this is like a performance-based sketch. And if there's one person, probably maybe in comedy, who I just like seeing performing the hell out of something, it's Martin Short. Yes, definitely. I, this this is something that if he had been on the show in the '90s, they would have done every other week and beaten oh, yeah. the ground. So that that would have been an Ed Grimley you, movie. Oh yeah, and there was a cartoon. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, he, he is somebody who can pull this off and you're right that this, this is the kind of thing that we don't get a lot these days. Uh, I think there was a lot of backlash from how much they would trot out characters like this, uh, in the nineties. But, uh, yeah, if, if you bring this out when he hosts every 10 years, I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. And Marty, not, not in a ton. He made, definitely made an impact when he was on screen, but not, in a ton of sketches. I mean, they had to serve Steve Martin and Chevy and Steve and Chevy and Marty each. It seemed like got their, uh, each of them got their own showcase sketches. So like with, with Marty, it was the Ed Grimley sketch. Um, Chevy had one. I know Steve. So, so they are all kind of in sketches by themselves. Like one, it seemed like one sketch each by themselves. And then they were in sketches together. Uh, Marty was also in the uh, British Customs sketch. Do you have anything to say? And then Marty made kind of a brief appearance, but do you have anything to say about this one? It's a very brief appearance. Uh, I mean, it was great to see Eric Idle as well, as, yes. as you as you alluded to. Uh, you know, and and again to see him work with Dana Carvey, uh, who who was just kind of bursting onto the scene at this point and had become the first star of this next golden era. Uh, so to to see them work together, uh, there wasn't a lot to this. Other than, you know, they kept opening up these innocuous things like checkerboards or, or chess sets and chocolate candy. What do we have here, you know? And, uh, yeah, Marty doesn't have a lot to do in this, but it is a lot of fun. And especially to bring now a fourth 
comedic giant into this particular episode was was a great great thing marty did well in this in this episode like i said like he had to share the spotlight with steve martin and chevy chase but i think uh he was pretty memorable the eggshell family at grimly uh he was he had memorable pratfall in in the cold open so i think marty did well for himself pretty good first outing especially considering he had to share the spotlight 10 years almost to the day after his first appearance as a host season 22 episode 8 that was in december of 96 he uh he was one of the last of it was a streak of five former cast member hosts in a row so marty was the last one billy had dana chris rock robert downey jr phil hartman and martin short as an snl geek isn't that st- the kind of thing we live for too oh <laughs> This I I remember this to this day. Like this was such an incredible streak of of five episodes of these giants. You know, Chris Rock to have him come back after you know his questionable tenure on the show. Robert Downey Jr. who had an even more questionable tenure on the show. But to have these five amazing alumni come back for five weeks in a row, five episodes in a row was amazing and to to button it up with marty was was such a great thing yeah and marty by himself is the host and boy oh boy did this live up to to every expectation that i think we all had bill i'm so excited that this this episode was i i knew that i i remember loving this episode and i always held this episode in high regard but re-watching it for this podcast just made me fill me with so much joy. So this monologue, first of all, it ranks high up there in SNL history. And I'm thinking, you see, about how SNL has now been on the air for 22 years. <laughs> and I mean, talk about a roller coaster ride, please. You know, I, I mean, at first it was, it was good and very hip, you know, and then it got bad. But the show was so hip that even though it was bad, people would still talk about it as if it was good. And then it got good again, but it wasn't as hip. Then it kind of got bad again. Now it became very hip to talk about how bad and unhip it was. And then one night I'm home and I turn to my wife Nancy and say, hey honey, let's turn on Saturday Night Live and just kind of wallow in its unhip badness. And their hosting is Robin Williams, you know, and, oh, New York, what a town. Town sounds like clown, frown. Oh, don't frown at me, Mary, you'll upset Mr. Happy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he talks about the show having been on the air for 22 years, and it was good, then it got bad, then it was good but not hip, and then it just continues on and on, and uh, to, to they cut to uh, Lauren and Marty at dinner. And he's choking, and Lauren's on the phone. Uh, am I okay to perform the Heimlich? You know, and, and eventually, <laughs> this is how he gets Marty to host uh, because he saves his life. And and of course, it wasn't even food in his mouth; it was pantyhose. And uh, yeah, and, and the joke of it being that the show was good and then bad, and and, and this was only in this season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's season one. Yeah, yeah. But Marty really did take us through a perfect summation of the first few years of SNL. I was keeping track. I was following the beats, and I'm like, you know what? That's like really accurate. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It was supposed to be funny, but it was also like very accurate. And I love when 
the show gets super self-referential at times and this this monologue sure did that i love it and we've we also get a rare look at the upper deck you know we, we've gone backstage a million times but they have the risers set up for him to as he starts to do the song and dance portion of the monologue which it's now a third part of the monologue that we're seeing here uh and getting to see kind of a part of snl that we don't get to see a lot other than a cut to commercial right. so that was a lot of fun too that was so much fun. By the way, great Robin Williams impression. Yes. By Marty. Yes. He snuck that in. Yeah. That was he awesome. He was always great with that. Yeah. yeah. Overall, my opinion, 10 out of 10 monologue. 10 out of 10 for sure. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is what we look for. Yeah. This was so good. And then the first sketch is the debut of a classic, 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 classic Celebrity Jeopardy, Bill amazing and all the bones are there uh for what becomes an all-time snl sketch uh that we see over and over again the only difference between this one and uh future ones is sean connery's not as mean to alex trebek yeah daryl hammond's sean Connery. but other than that we've got norm as burt reynolds and daryl as sean connery and then marty as jerry lewis who does a fantastic jerry lewis have to pay the Jerry Lewis. Cannonball in name. Wait, wait, wait. It, it sounds like you might have the right answer. Did you say cannon? Cannon. Now, say ball. Wool. Put them together. Cannonball in name and name. Yeah. People may not even remember who Jerry Lewis is at this point, but he was so big at this point with his telethon and, and his, his movie career and his work with Dean Martin. So to have him come in and do this uh, crazy over-the-top ersatz, Jerry Lewis was so fantastic. And, yeah. you know, of course, Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek. Yeah, just yeah. All, all the makings is like of, of what's going to become a classic recurring sketch. Martin... Fun, goofy, cartoonish Jerry Lewis. Because Jerry Lewis, he had a rough edge to him in you know his personal life. In real life, he was kind of a surly guy. But he played this goofy character in movies. So that's what Marty was doing, was like the goofy Jerry Lewis that you saw in those old movies. And he did it so perfectly. I think this was something that he used to do on SCTV as well, Bill. I, I believe so, yeah. And, and, and Jerry Lewis is one of those impressions kind of like Lauren, that everybody has one. Uh, you and I have trotted out our Lawrence. We won't do that again right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think everybody kind of had a Jerry Lewis at that point. I, earlier on in SNL, they had uh, Eddie and Joe in an, a Jerry Lewis um, match-off. So everybody had this, but Marty's was perfection as far as the comedic side of Jerry Lewis. Yeah, and this is the sketch where we get the famous S-words category pick. That came from the very first Celebrity Jeopardy. Yes. Martin Short, man, just part of SNL history being in this first sketch and and helping to carry this first sketch. Martin was the star of this. Like Norm did great as Burt. Daryl, of course, did great as Sean Connery. But Martin Short like popped more than any of them in this sketch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see both uh, Norm and Daryl come back, obviously, in mm-hmm. a lot of other segments. And Norm's, uh, Burt Reynolds, has better moments than this. And Daryl's, uh, Sean Connery, has better moments than this. 
but yes, you're right. This this is Marty's showcase, uh, and and getting to see him perform it was fantastic. Yeah, just a wonderful first sketch of the night. Uh, what else stood out to you in this Marty's second hosting gig? Uh, well, we get a lot of his recurring characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have him with Barbara Walters, done by the impeccable Sherry O'Terry. The incident that occurred when you were invited by Quincy Jones to participate in the recording session for We Are The World. <laughs> That's painfully correct, Barbara. Yes. Well, Jackie, what happened? Long story short, performing a show in Laughlin, Nevada, if you will. I had just killed with two encores of a medley of songs that had not been nominated. Got on a plane, arrived at the studio five minutes late, and Q had locked the door. But you see, that is very Q. Quincy's that way. It's funny. <laughs> to him doing his Jackie Rogers Jr., which is another one that kind of grew on me over time. He's this albino singer whose father was very famous, and uh, he he got like he tells the story to Barbara Walters about getting locked out of We Are the World, so he went to Denny's with some other stragglers. Uh, yeah, and and then they cut to him uh, doing a, a, an embarrassing moment, as Barbara Walters was always apt to do, uh, where he did a drunken holiday special in 1977 and humped Miss Piggy. Like, yeah. Just- that's only that marty could pull this off absolutely that moment with jackie rogers jr violating <laughs> miss piggy just like i remember that that's like one of the very memorable moments of snl around that time period for absolutely. me is that that visual of jackie rogers jr drunk in 1978 and hitting on miss piggy and oh that that was perfect and th- this was especially interesting to me bill we talked about Marty being able to play with like the current cast and whatnot. Sherry O'Terry always reminded me a little bit of Martin Short. Yes. Just yeah. in her performance, she, she could act goofy. So it was awesome to see them together in this sketch and both doing such a great. Sherry was awesome in this. She's always done a great Barbara Walters, but this was just such a fun sketch because the two of them just played with each other so well. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, what we were talking about. You want to see what they can do with the current cast. Uh, this this is kind of a silver era of SNL. Uh, it's really the second season that they've all been working together. So they're still, I mean, they found their footing, but they're they're getting better and better as they go along. And Will and Sherry have really kind of stepped up at this point. And so to see Marty and Sherry working together was, was fantastic. Yes, yeah, they do that, have similar energies, and, and it was a lot of fun. For sure. Aside from the monologue, I think the Barbara Walters special with Jackie Rogers Jr. was my favorite sketch uh, of the night. After I, I'd the have monologue. to agree. Yeah. yeah. He also did an M- Ed Grimley, Ed Grimley in Heaven, which was cool. It was like nice use of a pre-tape. They mixed a pre-tape in with the live element, some cool, some light visual effects, Chevy Chase cameo. Did this Ed Grimley win you over 10 years after the last one? So it's not like it was oversaturation. Well, why don't we do it the old-fashioned way? What do you say? Your name? Ed Grimley. Ed Grimley. And... Education? Well, you see, uh, I'm hoping to go to night school and get some sort of diploma. Business administration, then. All right. 
<laughs> All right, moving on. Let's see. Marital status? American. Uh, no, no, goof boy. <laughs> Have you ever been married? Uh, no. Yeah, I was okay with it. I, I think this was kind of where uh, I turned the corner as far as liking Ed Grimley again. Uh, and seeing Chevy come back was, was fun at this point. Kind of unexpected. You can hear it from the audience reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I was fine with this. Uh, it was a different take on it. I mean, that's really what we want from these recurring characters, whether or not they're on the show every week or whether it's a host coming back and doing somebody. Give us a different take. And, and we also see that with uh, the Roxbury guys, right. uh, which he is part of. They're finding it hard at this point to do something different. And they find a little bit of a different lane. Marty playing... I guess a refugee from uh, a European country. I don't know, yeah. a Middle and, Eastern country, a Middle Eastern like country. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but they they bring him over and they they make him into a Roxbury guy. So that was kind of a different take on that as well. So yeah, Marty was able to make a Roxbury sketch watchable for me. I think Marty's rendition and then Jim the Jim Carrey version are the two Roxbury sketches that 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 I kind of liked. The other ones. I don't know, diminishing returns for me, but props to Marty for making a Roxbury sketch. Um, pretty much, pretty fun to me, I would say. So so that that's a feather in his cap for me, Bill. See, I, I was a big Roxbury guy. Okay. I, uh, I, this was a fun thing to imitate, a la Michael Scott yes. on The Office. Uh, this was a fun thing to do at a party, you know, pretend that you were one of the Roxbury guys and tilt your head. Uh, so I always like these, and uh, but yeah, Marty elevated it uh, just a little bit more. Like you said, this one and the Jim Carrey one stand out for sure. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, it's fun to me to see somebody like Marty or comedy legend come and like partake in in the the SNL of the time and yes. being with recurring characters and and joining in on those sketches. Whether it's like Jim Carrey being in a cheerleader sketch, Marty being in a Roxbury sketch, I I always enjoy seeing that. That might be the saddest part about not having as many recurring characters in modern SNL. Mm. It's not that we love these characters so much as it is, like you said, to see these hosts come in and play in that sandbox with the current cast and, and get to see their take on them. Yeah, yeah. And there was one other kind of interesting little nugget for me in this night. The last sketch was the, Tins the Tinseltown Tattler with Pinky Nye. And yep. I didn't totally connect with it, but I couldn't help but wonder if there was a seedling for Jiminy Glick in here. Thomas, we're on the same wavelength. Really? That, that's exactly what I wrote down. What, you know, was this the proto Jiminy Glick? Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is about two or three years before uh, he gets his Comedy Central show. Uh, yeah, there is some of that there. He's not doing as much of the voice. Uh, this is fun. It's a little kind of one note uh, with Molly, keep cutting back to the heart-to-heart -heart references, which is such a deep cut, even in 1996, <laughs> right. that you're referencing the show from the early 80s and Molly getting triggered by the mere mention of Stephanie Hart uh, <laughs> was kind of fun, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, there's not a lot here other than, yes, maybe the seedlings for what would come. I felt so good after re-watching after re this, Totally in a good mood. Afterward, we had like a classic monologue. Celebrity Jeopardy was classic. I loved the Barbara Walters special. Uh, Ed Grimley, which I did enjoy this concept and this sketch. Just a fun overall episode, Bill. That's why we watch SNL, to have fun. Marty delivered. 
That's it. Now, now he's done two December episodes. The first one is an all-time Christmas classic, in my opinion, but not just because of Marty. You know, there's a lot of other things going on. This one is a lot because of Marty, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so great to have uh, to be able to see him uh, kind of shine on his own. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The next one, you said all-time Christmas classic with the first one. In my opinion, this one is not just an all-time Christmas classic. For me, I consider this an all-time classic SNL episode. That's So fair. this one happened in December December of 2012, season 38. Gosh, just so, so much here for me, Bill. Like, this is honestly, especially in that era... This is one of the the better episodes from that era and one of my personal favorite episodes of all time, just for me personally. This was interesting timing. Uh, talk about time capsule episodes. Sure. Uh, we've got the Sandy Hook shooting the day before, which is why we get this very sad opening with the New York Children's Choir. But then we just kind of leave the sadness there and and we move into the really funny marty episode uh and like you said there is a lot here you talked about the 96 monologue being one of your favorites this is one of my favorites this is one of my favorite monologues of all time well it's christmas time and there's love in the air an embrace for the glance or coquettish advance catches you unaware it's the most amorous time of the year it's the most promiscuous time of the year all those hotties about make your trousers stick out like a red-nosed reindeer it's the most lascivious time of the year we get everything we want. We get all the backstage fun. We get the llama. We get Abraham Lincoln. We get the dancing <laughs> girls. We get amazing cameos from all different eras. Uh, yeah, Bill, th- we get is... cameos from Paul Schaefer, Kristen Wiig, Jimmy Fallon, Tom Hanks, right? Samuel L. Jackson, Tina Fey, Lorne Michaels. We get cameos and just out the wazoo. Out the wazoo. And, and how about the not knowing what these new girls, as he calls yes. them, as he's walking backstage with three all-time classic cast members now in Cecily, Adie, and Kate. Uh, they had just been on the show for a couple of months, so it was great to see kind of what we didn't know what we were going to get from them right before he goes into all these amazing cameos. Yeah, there was a funny moment at the beginning, and sometimes I can't tell with Marty if it's like something's rehearsed or if he's just really good about making it seem off the cuff. But when he was trying to figure out how to sit on the piano, I don't know if that was like something that was in the script or if that was just Marty kind of being goofy Marty, whatever. But that one, that got me. That little bit got me. That was great, yes. And yeah, like you said, Paul Schaefer, seeing him come back to the show, I don't know how how long it had been at this point that we hadn't seen him. Uh, so to have him come back and, and an OG, not ready for primetime, featured player uh, and band member uh, from the golden era. Yeah, this this was fantastic. Yeah, I hope people appreciated it in 2012 that Paul Schaefer made a cameo. Hope people realize what a big part of SNL history he is. So I hope people didn't appreciate it in that time. 
I, I feel like at this point, you know, he had been on Letterman for 25 years. So I think part of that had faded into the ether. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I hope so, too. I, I hope it wasn't just us. <laughs> right. <laughs> just us nerds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The the one one of my other favorite moments in this was when he was talking to Tina Fey and Lorne and Marty held up the mistletoe and of course you think like oh he's gonna like try to kiss Tina but then he goes in for a, like a deep passionate kiss with Lorne yes and the look on Lorne's face even though he probably knew it was coming sure uh, it's, his his face was priceless yeah this was a great moment and and do we mention Samuel Jackson like he's wandering around backstage yeah. too like. Yeah, just uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for backstage sketches. Uh, every time. So, yeah, every time. I'm a sucker for when we get to see, like you'd mentioned, Lincoln, the llama, and the and the showgirls, uh, the dancing girls. So uh, this was just another, like I mentioned, the, uh, the monologue from the previous episode was a classic 10 out of 10. This one is two. So he's yes. turned in two consecutive classic 10 out of 10 no-notes monologues. What a start to this episode, Bill. Unreal, yes. Yes. So a lot of good stuff here, a lot of great stuff. This, like I said, this is like an all-time favorite episode of mine. Uh, what sticks out to you first uh, from this episode? Well, I think we have to talk about the royal family doctor. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got Marty doing his great British accent, meeting with Bill Hader. To talk, or no, he wasn't the doctor. I'm sorry. He was the representative for the royal family and bill Hader was playing the doctor and he was explaining that this was going to be a little bit different because you know it invo- involved the royal vagina <laughs> and the proper names that could be it could be called you can call it thomas english muffin and I, <laughs> I i knew i was coming out with thomas so i yes. had to point that one out uh yeah and and watching bill Hader not try to break this entire ep, uh sketch was was so great i'm sorry must we call it the royal Ahem. well the only other acceptable terms that i know of is the governess uh the kingmaker her downton abbey Channel, Dame Judy Dench, Piccadilly Cervix, and Thomas's English Muffin. Now, I'll stick with the Royal. I, have. I thought you might. Moving on. And again, like seeing a soon-to-be all-time classic SNL cast member in Bill Hader, number one on the Saturday Night Network uh, all-time cast member list. Playing with Martin Short, like th- this was just such a great, I think it's great that he takes, I wish he came back more, but I think it's great that he takes this much time off because we get to see him play in so many different eras, right? I agree. So yeah, yeah th- this was great. So many funny jokes. Uh, something like this can get really tiresome and he didn't let it get that way. So No, no, this is a, he, he, he can clearly work in British humor. Because this yeah. was such, not just because there were British accents, but just the back and forth, the quick, uh, witty back and forth between him and Bill Hader, the cadence, all that stuff. Like this played like something from Monty Python. And yes. it was just so good. Marty showing his chops. The way Marty had Bill Hader in the palm of his hand. Like yes. it's part of me thinks Marty saw Bill about to break and he's like, I'm going to get this guy to break. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, we we've seen this in recent times with uh, Kate McKinnon and Billie Eilish, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of their sketches where it was obvious if you just kept poking the bear, you were going to make him crack. That was what Marty was going for for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah the royal family doctor, in my opinion, one of the one of the great like lost sketches. Like I don't see people referencing this sketch as far as like really outstanding sketches from this era, but. After rewatching it, I have to put it up there. Like this is a really fun one from that era to me. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and and we're off and running with this episode. Yeah, yeah. This comes on the heels of uh, Marty and Alec Baldwin doing. <laughs> Alec Baldwin appears in this episode. What a just what an event this episode was. Crazy. Yes. Yeah, Tony Bennett Christmas. So Marty plays Jerry Bennett. Of course, Alec playing Tony Bennett. Uh, just. You know, not a ton here, uh, but Marty and Alec do have good chemistry, so it, it was nice to see. I think they got off to a good start in this episode uh, with that, but we see how great Alec is as Tony Bennett, and Marty, uh, for the most part, was able to match with him, and just seeing Marty play with another like all-time great SNL host was fun. My little brother's a heck of a hugger. We used to call him the Barnacle, because you couldn't lose him if you tried. <laughs> They're like kisses for your body. Yeah. Jerry, you look great. Thank that you. That suit is so sharp, it must have been made by Ginzu knives. Thanks, Tony. I had a heap of Cole's cash that I was about to expire. The trousers have a hole in one of the pockets, but it comes in handy for long bus rides. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is a very quick Tony Bennett sketch. Uh, yeah. But we do get uh, Jay Farrow as Kanye uh, pre- Crazy Kanye, maybe. Uh, uh, I, he uh, might have been in the throes of it by yeah, then. Yeah, he, he might have been on the way. But yeah, it, it's fun because they're trying to make him push this uh, suppository that they're trying to hawk, and he's not having any of it. Yeah, th- it's a lot of fun stuff here. Yeah, good start. Um, yeah, where do you want to go next with, with this episode? I mean, we have to talk about You're a Rat Bastard, Charlie Brown. Like, that's this is one of those fantastic uh, impression pre-tapes. Uh, we get a lot of great stuff here with uh, Bill Hader as Al Pacino as Charlie Brown and, and Kate as Edie Falco as Lucy. But Marty as Larry David as Linus uh, is the star of this to me. Uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but he gets to really show off what a great Larry David impression he has. It's Charlie Brown by way of Brooklyn with Larry David as Linus. Christmas thing, it's a whole to do, you know, with the parties and the presents and the decorating. Eh, it's not for me. What do you mean Christmas is not for you? Don't tell me it's not for you. If I say it's for you, then it's for you. Oh, so, 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 so I'm just supposed to accept what you say? You know what? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you lying. Me? Yeah. Why don't you go yourself, Charlie Brown? Ah. And even gets to put the button on the sketch by saying it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was probably fun for Marty because I think he, he and Larry are, are friends. Yeah, right. So it's probably fun for Marty to to do his Larry David impression. That was great. I love the reactions of the kids in the audience too, <laughs> showing like horrified kids. <laughs> what the yeah. hell? Are we? Yeah. Does the they have to remind you that this this adult theme like New like New York kind of mob loosely mob kind of peanuts play is being shown to children, right? <laughs> which like, I loved. 
like the yeah, like you said, the cuts to the children and, and uh, Kate really showing her chops uh, when he, when she pulls mm-hmm. the football away. Uh, <laughs> it's soft grass. Don't don't be upset. Like, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of fun stuff here. Uh, Got to love an impression of an impression of an impression. So yeah, uh, meta. It, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, I think this is probably the sketch. Well, maybe, maybe not. But this is might be the sketch that that people rem- do remember and um, hold maybe most fondly from this episode. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this probably has been replayed quite a bit. And I, I, if there's, if we're covering an episode, Bill, that has a what up with that, I have to talk about it. I, I, I will not turn down a chance to talk about my just sheer love of what up with that as a recurring sketch. It's like to me, the most joyful thing that I've ever seen on SNL, yes. honestly, like what up with that. So, so we have a rendition of what up with that. Marty comes on as one of his, uh, one of his major characters. He's Jackie Rogers Jr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really one of the few times that we get somebody else talking a lot in a what up with that sketch other than Keenan, right? Yeah. You know, he, he, the people, the three people who are sitting to Keenan's right, you know, the first person gets a line or two until Keenan breaks into song. But uh, Marty comes on to do his Jackie Rogers Jr. and he gets the floor for a good 30 seconds, which is more than anybody ever gets. It's so great to be here. Interesting story about my late father. I was... What's up with that? What's up with that? So I think that's kind of a tip of the hat, the small hat, to to (laughs) Marty. uh, Keenan kind of giving it up and letting him uh, run wild with his Jackie Rogers Jr. Yeah, and then of course uh, DeAndre Cole saying, "All right, all right, enough of you." Here's right, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> Let's of that. go back here. So, so yeah, nice uh, a nice surprise appearance by by Jackie Rogers Jr. on What Up with That. To, so, in my opinion, like we were talking about fun, and I watch SNL because of fun. Like this episode, this What Up with That is is part of what made this episode so much darn fun. Yeah, yeah, this this was up there for me too. Yeah. Should we talk about the next sketch? Just go through the whole damn episode? Because I, I liked the, the next thing. sketch, too, with Marty and Fred Armisen. Yeah, I mean, this this is old friends. And this is the kind of slice of life sketch that we are aching for a lot of times in modern uh, SNL. Uh, and this is a, something that they really didn't even do a lot at this point in 2012. So it's it's just kind of an awkward conversation between Fred and Marty. I mean, they're they're the stars of this particular sketch. And uh, they haven't seen each other in a long time, and they just start riffing. Hey, how's your son? I don't, I don't have a son. Oh. Well, I, thought you, I thought I saw you with a little kid. Oh, no, no, that's actually my adult brother. He was sort of standing behind me, so the perspective made it look smaller. So he's, he's, a, he's a grown-up, you know. So, uh, I'm sorry, how's your son? Well, the waiter or the porn star? Uh, the, the waiter. Oh, he's, he's doing porn now. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Boy, time goes fast, doesn't it? And and you have to wonder uh, with both of their improv backgrounds how much of this was made up. I'm sure you know a lot of it was put on on cue cards, but you have to think that some of this kind of just was was put in 
uh, on the fly. Fred saying that he eats 25 bagels a day, and Marty's writing a book about World War II, but he doesn't know anything about it. He had, hadn't even heard about it. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a yeah. lot of fun. It, it's those awkward conversations that you sometimes have with people you haven't seen in 20 years. Uh, so I, I think there's something there, even though it's obviously elevated for comedy. Uh, there's something relatable in this kind of wackiness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mar- Marty's character uh, is having a Christmas party, but due to his schedule, he has to do it in March. <laughs> right, yes, <laughs> and, exactly. And he now lives in a big field. So you just go to the field and you can turn any direction and you'll find the party. <laughs> <laughs> this is well done. I think this sketch, it was a really good sketch, but I think it probably gets lost amidst like the t- just the sheer amount of standout, more, uh, more probably fun, more loud material that was right. in this episode. But this, this is one of those that like I think was so well written and so well done. I don't want it to get lost in this episode. It still probably does for some people just because everything else was a lot bigger and a lot louder than, than this old friend sketch. I mean, this this is one of the things about being on a Christmas episode, uh, essentially, where the Christmas stuff is going to be replayed year after year after year. And something like this is going to get lost in the sands of time uh, of a 50-year-old show. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, but it, it should get its moment in the sun. And we end, well, this is the last, I guess, sketch. It was kind of half sketch, half lead into a song. Uh, a lot of people remember they still play this when they do the Christmas episodes. Uh, to this day, Bill, we get a uh, another megastar on the show this evening. Right. I mean, we we haven't talked about like the, the musical guests in these yeah. shows, which have nothing to do with Marty's performance. But uh, Randy Newman, no doubt, and now Paul McCartney. I mean, that's that's pretty uh, amazing, uh, especially to have the former Beatle on the show and and to see him be able to be in this sketch where they're. Uh, trying out for a pageant and Paul can't sing. He has to play his triangle. And I love, I mean, talk about meta within meta. He's playing a triangle, which Ed Grimley would play. Right. right? So we, we, so, and then obviously the, the joke is that Marty can't actually sing. Uh, they try to dismiss them and Paul desperately wants to sing. Can I sing too? No, because you don't sing because you can't sing. If you could sing, then you'd sing. But you can't sing, I sing. Isn't that a complicated theory? I'm sorry. I have the million dollar voice, okay? You don't. Can I finally sing? And they, we cut to Wonderful Christmas Time. And it's, it's one, of the, one of the greatest Christmas songs ever done on SNL. Yeah, yeah. And I don't particularly love Wonderful Christmas Time, but I liked this performance of it. So that yeah. that speaks to to how well it was done that night. Yeah, I mean, we we get Paul doing his thing. We bring the the children's choir back mm-hmm. in, which is fantastic that they get to do after doing something so solemn at the beginning of the show to come out and have a lot of fun with pr- probably somebody they've never heard of. But when they're twenty, they're probably in their twenties now and going back and watching that they got to sing with Paul McCartney. Like that's pretty that's pretty damn great. Yeah, that's awesome. What a highlight for them. And uh, this was a highlight uh, amongst a lot of highlights in this episode. I can, again, cons- I consider this an all-time classic for me. Bunch of memorable moments. Bill, there was not a single dud uh, no. in this episode. No. I. It, this is the kind of episode where I wish we were doing the Saturday Night Network podcast uh, at that time. Because yeah. th- this would be something that we would be talking about the entire season. 
on how great this was uh, from beginning to end. There's nothing bad about it. And, and Marty just really kind of shows uh, how great he is again. Yeah, and I and I and I would hope I would demand that Andrew Dick would be on that episode. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I dare you, Andrew, to what say something say? bad about this episode. <laughs> yeah, we love Andrew, but, but yes. That... <laughs> so, yeah, what an episode! So he returns twelve years later, season forty-eight, his most recent one in December of twenty twenty-two, with his buddy Steve Martin hosting together off the success of. Only murders in the building. Yeah, and this was uh, something not to toot my own horn, but I, I don't get predictions right a lot. Uh, but I did predict this at the beginning of season 47 on the Saturday Night Network, that these two would host together again at some point. It took a year and a half, but they made my prediction come true. And Don't, boy, don't what an strain ep- your shoulder oh. too much, Bill, with... Just patting yourself on the back. Listen, you, I get so much your wrong. Pitching this... arm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to, when I get something right, I have to, you know, toot my own horn for a second. Yeah. No, it, this this was everything we dream of. Like mm-hmm. a, again, to do another Christmas episode uh, with these two, right back where they started, thirty six years earlier, San Chevy, of course, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, to see them come back in this manner after a resurgence in their careers. Uh, obviously, they tour together as well, which I've seen the show, and it's fantastic to, to go see them. Uh, Paul Schaefer actually plays piano in a lot of those shows as well. So these guys have an unbelievable chemistry together, and to see them working together after all this time was, was great. And it was a fun monologue, too. So, of course, they continue this jokey dynamic of Marty being less than... Uh, that's a funny, like, inside joke during the monologue. Uh, but Steve and Marty eulogizing each other was so good. Bill, I don't know if this is something they do on their stage show. It seems like something that they do, but I love that they chose this to do uh, for their monologue. People always ask me what Steve was really like, and I'd say, I don't know, you're his wife. <laughs> and he was such a great dad. And you could tell that from his children. They're so polite. You go to his house and say... They'd say, would you like anything, Mr. Short? Could I get you a drink, Mr. Short? Can you give this note to the police, Mr. Short? It is something that they do in the show. Uh, They do mix it up with uh, their eulogy jokes. They don't do the same ones every time. So uh, even if you had seen the show, uh, you wouldn't necessarily have heard the jokes. And they're just so damn funny, it doesn't matter. Like, I can hear it a second time. That's okay. I, I do remember, since it's such a fresh episode, I did remember most of the beats of this episode, and I remember them doing this, And but I still laughed uh, at, at the eulogy jokes. Yeah, I mean, uh, Marty's joke about Steve looking down on all of us because he always looked down on everyone was, was a great one from Marty. Uh, <laughs> reminds me of that classic SNL sketch, Dick in a Box. Like, there's, there's yeah. just a lot of good singers in this. Yeah, well, yeah what, a, what a great one. So another awesome monologue and then when we talk when we talk about classic hosts and episodes the monologue in my opinion should play a huge part in it because you have certain monologues we see lately especially this season and last season it's more of like a get to know the host monologue here's my background here's i used to love snl as a kid and it's more just straightforward but you when you have these hall of fame caliber hosts you're gonna get these elevated monologues for the most part bill Yes, you got. You have to do more. You're absolutely right. Uh, if whether it's an alumni or somebody who's hosted three or four times, 
that's a funny joke too. Uh, and I think Marty made this joke on one of the uh, reunion specials. It's almost as if he doesn't count his 1986 uh, hosting. Have you noticed that? So huh. he he tells a joke where they're they're showing uh, how many times Steve Martin has hosted, and it's 16 times. And then they show Marty, and it's only three. So what are they leaving out? That, that's, yeah, that's kind maybe. of a question. And and he also made a joke after he had hosted twice about uh, he's a one-time host. And, you know, how is he not better than Robert Blake or O.J. Simpson? Oh. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I don't know. Does he not count his first hosting on Shabby? gig? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting observation. Yeah. yeah. Only, only a... Uh, a SNL super fan like Bill Kenny. Right, that. yeah. <laughs> Nobody else noticed or cared. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So the, I think the the first sketch that they did that night, I know uh, I'm teasing, I'm going to tease something, but there is an instant classic sketch, in my opinion, from this episode. But the first one I think I find interesting because we were talking about these hosts coming back and being in recurring sketches. Uh, this was actually a recurring sketch that Steve and Marty were in the science room. I, I have a fun safety joke, Josh. Knock, knock. Come in. No, no, no. <laughs> Josh, 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 you say, knock, knock, who's there? Okay? Knock, knock. Who's there? Safety. Hi, I'm Josh. No, no. no. <laughs> Do you not know how this works? You've never heard of it. You say safety who? Okay? Knock, knock. Safety who? Ah! Ah! Are you are you okay, Mr. I'm Science? I'm upset. Oh, come back. I think this was a good one for for Marty and Steve, Bill. Yeah, it's an interesting one uh, to have two people doing this, but I think with the caliber of Steve and Marty, I think you can pull this off. Uh, if you if you don't remember, uh, this is something they had done about three or four other times where uh, it's a science teacher who's teaching these two very stupid children in Mikey and Cecily. Uh, and it's one of the last times we get to see Cecily as a cast member, so that's, that's a lot of fun as well. She's all over this episode, uh, which in hindsight, as we find out a week later when she's leaving, this is the end of her tenure. It makes it a little more poignant that we're getting to see her all over this episode. And yeah, uh, th- this is played for a lot of good laughs, uh, one of them is Dr. Science, and one of them is Mr. Science, and uh, the kids just don't understand anything. They're they're trying to prompt them into these really easy questions, you know, where does rain come from? Where does snow come from? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of good stuff here. Of course, uh, wisdom that Cecily's character, Lonnie, the wisdom that her sister gives her all the time in these sketches. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. I love the beats. Uh, Marty and and Steve as well, but Marty especially is really good at playing somebody who has rage or even contained rage that's so close to bursting at the seams. And so that's why I said, like, I think the science room was a good one for Marty too, is because he's good at playing like the, the frustrated, I'm about to fly off the handle kind of character. Yeah. Steve, Steve gets to play the, the calm guy in this, uh, even though he's getting very frustrated as well, he has to kind of calm Marty down, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of fun to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So should we talk about this instant classic sketch, or is there another one that you might want to go to before? Uh, boy, there is a lot on this episode, so mm-hmm. I, I'm good going wherever you want to go. Uh, we, we can talk about Holiday Train. Okay, let's do which that. Which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's a play on uh, the White Christmas 
uh, movie with Ben Crosby. And uh, it's, you know, when they do movies from 80 years ago, it, it's it's really funny. Like, who are they pandering to at this point? All of these people. <laughs> but th- this is a classic movie where they're riding on a train and they sing this kind of famous song, Snow. And uh, we get to see Marty and Cecily and Keenan and Steve uh, as they're riding the train to Buffalo in the 1940s. And, uh, you know, they've never seen snow. So uh, Keenan's kind of shocked by this. Uh, we eventually find out after a song and dance number that they're actually bears. So uh, they, they hibernate and they end up falling asleep every time uh, before they get to Buffalo. Uh, and we even get a little J.A.J. in there saying, don't wake up the bears. They're like, <laughs> they'll kill yeah, you. They're going to eat us all. Yes, they're going to eat you. So uh, th- <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a sucker for these kind of song and dance numbers, uh, so especially from older movies. So uh, th- this was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, that was a fun one. Next one, A Visit with Santa. Marty plays uh, Sprinkles the Elf. Uh, Marty's a good grumpy elf, so this is right kind of right up his alley, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, is it Sprinkles or Pringles? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, he, he's such a great crabby uh, elf, and uh, we, we even get kind of uh, before it was known how, how much Taylor Swift would blow up in 2023, uh, one of the kids comes up and asks for mm. uh, Taylor Swift tickets, and Marty yells, get a job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is a funny moment when uh, Marty gets up and Steve goes, you have legs. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So we get to see a lot of their fun playfulness again together. And uh, again, Steve is kind of playing the more grounded character uh, while Marty is just kind of off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a fun one. See Marty at at Grumpy. Uh, the next one, Bill, A Christmas Carol. Talk about this one. This will be in the best of SNL Christmas special for the next 15 to 20 years, right? I mean, this is an all-time classic. We we called it that week that this was an all-time classic. Uh, sometimes you just know, right? Exactly. And uh, Marty's playing Scrooge, and Steve uh, is the ghost of Marley. And uh, yeah, he wakes up just as in the movie or in the book. All, all about Christmas, sees Tiny Tim outside, sees this orphan outside, throws a coin down, and of course, insanity ensues. My dear boy, you know the prize goose in the window down the street? The one as big as me? Ah, that's the one. Go and buy it so that Tiny Tim and his family might have a Christmas feast. But what should I buy it with, sir? I'm so poor. Ah, why with this, of course? He knocks out Sarah Sherman's eyeballs with the coins. Uh, he decapita- He scares a horse and who decapitates Mikey Day. Tiny Tim falls into a well, uh, into a sewer. So, yeah, th- this is a lot of fun. This is the kind of escalation that we're always begging for. Uh, such, a, such a great, and, and Marty plays such a great role as Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, that's always one of my big complaints when, like, when there's something there with the sketch, 
But I'm asking myself, like, why doesn't this sketch work? And a lot of the answer, a lot of times, is there was there could have been more escalation. This one textbook on how you do escalation. And Bill, I'm not one who's necessarily into gore, like comedic gore. I did yeah. like the uh, farewell, Mister Bunting sketch with Red Armisen. <laughs> Um, I loved this uh, Christmas Carol, even though it was gory, but it was clever. And the gore was done in a smart, almost unexpected way. It wasn't gore for gore's sake necessarily. It was just so the timing of the sketch was almost perfect. Exactly. And that's what I always say. You know, I'm okay with fart jokes or bodily function jokes or gore, but it has to be going somewhere. And this was going somewhere. From the very beginning, uh, this had a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, it didn't seem repetitive, even though it was coins doing all of this damage. They found a way to make it escalate mm-hmm. in, in a way that was very funny and got the point across. Yeah, of course, at the end, Marty closes the um, the, the windows and the glass breaks. And, if, and you, we can only imagine what the glass does to everybody on the ground. You just hear the screaming and the blood spurts as, uh, in the background. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best Fantastic. sketches of, uh, season 48, in my opinion, a Christmas Without Carol. Anything, uh, uh, else from this episode that's noteworthy to you? No, I mean, he doesn't get to do his Ed Grimley, although he kind of does his Ed Grimley dance in the kind of forgettable Minky Carmichael right. from 1992. Uh, but even something that wasn't great like this sketch, Marty elevates it with his mm-hmm. humor. So uh, even though there wasn't a whole lot there, um, somebody like a comedic pro like Marty still finds something funny to make out of it. Yeah, that's just it. You know you're among the best of the best when even if the writing's not there, even if a sketch doesn't work, there's still you're still fun to watch on screen. Like with this minky sketch, like I didn't really, I didn't think it was that great, but I like, I knew what they were making fun of. I think Marty was fun to watch. Um, Not one of the highlights though, but Marty always gives a great performance. I think four really good episodes, probably one or two classic episodes. This most recent Christmas episode he did last season with Steve was great. Yeah. I think Barney needs to be brought up as far as like, great host and i uh, sometimes that i think that doesn't happen because he shared a couple of hosts his hosting stints with chevy and steve but really when you rewatch his stuff i think the best hosting stints that he had were by himself and that says a lot about marty in my opinion it really does and and here's the thing uh you know we have a lot of five timers uh marty hopefully will be in that club but uh, something with some of the five-timers that we see, whether it's by choice or by, you know, culture moving on, is that they're kind of constrained to one cast. You know, Buck Henry, all-time classic host, only worked with the first cast. Justin Timberlake, John Hamm, great hosts, but we don't get to see them play outside of a certain era. To see Marty... From 1986 all the way through 2022, uh, play with all-time classic cast members like Sherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell, John Lovitz, Jan Hooks, uh, all the way to Bill Hader and now Heidi Gardner and people like that, is a testament to his comedic genius, right? Uh, mm-hmm. th- there's no arguing how great he is. And, and I, I 
sure you have a list in your mind, as I do, what I want from SNL 50. I think all of us yeah. fans do. My hope is that along with a couple of other uh, former cast members, Kristen Wiig and Dana Carvey, I hope we get to see the three of them in, put into the five-timers club in SNL 50. I would love to see Marty come back, even though it'll only be a couple of years uh, and is not really his forte to come back that quickly. It'd be great to see that happen. Yeah, I completely agree. I wonder if that would change the dynamic of like Marty in the five-timer sketches because he, he plays the waiter in the club and right. it's self-deprecating. So maybe they yeah. can put like some sort of play off of that while inducting Marty into the five-timers club. Exactly. Yeah, there's, that's something we haven't touched on. He had 10 cameos over the last 20 years as well. Uh, and, and one of the things that he does it, so great is the five-timer sketch where he's the waiter. Uh, so yeah, that would be great to see if they can kind of flip that on its head and, uh, and finally induct him. Yeah. And a great thing about Marty too, is that he's still relevant. He's in a relevant show, only murders in the building. I, I watched season one. I'll be honest. I have some catching up to do. Uh, are, do you watch only murders in the building? I do. Yeah. We're actually finishing up season three right now. We only have a couple episodes left. Yeah. Yeah. He, what do you think of Marty in that? He's a tour de force. Like he, he plays this failed Broadway director who uh, happens upon uh, Steve Martin and Selena Gomez in their building and, you know, murders just kind of follow them around. Uh, it's kind of a strange concept, but it's it's very well done. Uh, it's very smart. And uh, yeah, he, he plays a great role. Uh, and again, we see how well he plays off of Steve. Yeah, I just love that younger people are seeing the comedic genius of Martin Short. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah there, there's definitely people who are harder to explain to the younger uh, <laughs> viewers. Like, oh, this guy was really funny about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Marty is still there, has been there for 40 plus years. Uh, and that's kind of uh, endearing to, to have somebody like that. And Steve Martin as well. Yeah, yeah, they could actually see it. So Bill, now's the time. It worked with Jason Sudeikis. It worked... I guess, you know, it took a while, but it worked with Jan Hooks as well. So you worked tell the my best friend, Robert Smigel and Robert Smigel, your best friend, friend of Bill, <laughs> friend of the show. You tell you tell the SNL voters why they should consider casting a vote for Martin Short for the SNL Hall of Fame. I, I think we've really driven home the point on, on how iconic Martin Short is. Uh, he, he spans 40 years on the show. He has had amazing chemistry with everybody on the cast from Jan Hooks and John Lovitz all the way through Heidi Gardner. And uh, yeah, he's an all-time comedic legend and one of the few people from the Ebersol era, let's be honest, that Lauren acknowledges <laughs> even That's being true. on the show. Like <laughs> we don't even get Billy Crystal anymore. So yeah, the, the, this he, he's such a great comedic presence. Uh, you know what you're getting from any SNL episode where Martin Short's going to show up. And yeah, I mean, four times, all, all of them, I would argue, are some form of classic. So let's put them in. So there's that. That was Bill Kenny in conversation with Thomas Senna. 
downstairs in the conversation room of the SNL Hall of Fame. Thanks so much, fellas. That was a riveting conversation. I think that Marty is, uh, I think that in terms of a host, he's got to be in the SNL Hall of Fame. He's got to be. It's, it's built for him. It's made for him. He epitomizes what a host should be and what should they, they should do. He can make you laugh with his face. He can make you laugh with his body movements. He can make you laugh with a great executed joke. And he's the consummate sketch performer. He was built for SNL. So there's that. I would like to play you a sketch now that Thomas has selected. And it comes from Marty's third hosting stint in season 38. It was December 15th, 2012, in case you're taking notes. And uh, it's called The Royal Family Doctor. So let's give this a listen now and see if you can hear Marty trying to make Bill Hader break. Uh, It's really interesting. This is a great sketch. So let's give it a listen now. Doctor, the representative from Buckingham Palace is here. Wonderful. Send him in, please. Hello, good afternoon, Doctor. I am Rupert Smythe Pennington. And may I begin by congratulating you on your selection as OBGYN to the Duchess of Cambridge. That's a great honor. My role today is to instruct on the protocol of dealing with a member of the royal family. I've met members of the royal family before, so I assure you I'm up to speed. Well, you may well know the protocol for having an audience with the Duchess, but there is an entirely different set of protocol when one has an audience with the royal... I'm I'm sorry, are you referring to the vagina? I will mark that down that you said that word once. Say it again, you'll be deported to Australia. Understood. Moving on. When you meet a royal face-to-face, a small head bow is appropriate. When you meet the royal, the following is appropriate. (laughs) I'm not comfortable with that. Well, I suggest you get comfortable with it. Because after the Nord, it is proper to address it as milady and and then greet it with the phrase, fancy meeting you here. That seems odd. Well, I assure you that on the day it will seem natural. Now, throughout the examination, it is imperative you say the following words to yourself in, in the exact order as this. This is great. This is so great. This is by far the best one of these I have ever seen. Man, oh boy, this is great. To myself. Yes, but loud enough for the Duchess to hear. That's a secret, isn't it, when you're speaking super enough? I see. Yeah. Now, on certain formal occasions, you will find that the royal <clears throat> will be wearing a hat. How does that work? It's a small hat. I see. If it is wearing a hat, you must wait for it to tip its hat before you tip yours. What if I'm not wearing a hat? Well, if it's wearing a hat, I suggest you get a hat. This is the royal ahem, after all. I'm sorry, must we call it the royal ahem? Well, the only other acceptable terms that I know of is the governess, uh, the kingmaker, 
her Downton Abbey. <laughs> the Channel. Dame Judy Dench. Piccadilly Cervix. And Thomas's English Muffin. Now. Uh, I'll take you to the royal. I have. I thought you might. Moving on, there will be a member of the royal palace guard in the room at all times. But I assure you that you will not notice that. I think I've noticed a member of the palace guard. Have you noticed that one has been here the whole time? Hello. <laughs> Very complicated. Now, as royal anatomies goes, hers is pretty simple. Just be thankful you're not dealing with Camilla Parker Bowles. Hers is reachable only by an old drawbridge and is guarded by a troll who asks you a riddle. I've heard about that. Now, this is very important, and I want you to listen to me. Please pay attention to what I'm about to say. You will foresee any occasion whatsoever where you would have cause to examine the royal butthole. <laughs> Absolutely not. You're certain? I'm certain. Very good. That'll save us a few hours. Let's see. Butthole, 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 more butthole. Uh, just out of curiosity, are there other names for the royal butthole? Church of Taint Andrew. Oh, here we are, delivery day. Now, when the child is delivered, it's important that you do not reach for it unless it offers a hand to you. If it is not hard for its hand, then just wait for it to slide out on its own. Very good. You'll play peekaboo with the child, and if it laughs, you will be knighted. And if it cries? And I think that's about wraps it up. I don't have much more. I did not know you'd be in the hospital this morning. Oh, I'm here to get me Judy Dench washed. <laughs> Not to blow. Right, yeah. chat. Oh, there we go. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you're waiting for. Get in there, will you? Right. <laughs> that was, of course, Fred Armisen coming in at the end as Queen Elizabeth and uh, paying off the uh, Judy Dench. Uh, remarks. So, what did you think? This is a little bit of a longer episode, uh, but we have a lot to say. This is a, a a big one, and I hope you get it right when it comes to voting, because it just seems to me that cast members get bumped up, and hosts, musical guests, and writers are sort of left behind, with hosts bubbling up more often than not. Musical guests and writers are left behind. And that's just plain sad. So there's that. Uh, that's pretty much what I've got for you this week. Uh, I hope you stay well and uh, on your way out, please, as you walk past the weekend update exhibit. There's a light switch on the wall. Turn it out because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. 
Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week.